I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. December 19th, 2020. Hard candy. Oatmeal muffins. Robert Ripley, Fast Teddy, The Birdman, and Advent. This is Awesome Today. Awesome Today is a daily show, even though it technically isn't every day. It is barely edited and sometimes offensive. It is a good show. Some might even call it awesome. If you are friends with someone who doesn't think this show is awesome, you deserve better friends. Hello. Hello. What? You cast first thing right out of the gate. I did not, damn it. What? <laughs> um, no. I just was thing, saying things. Saying hello. Saying things. Did you like to spell out H-E-L-L on your calculator and turn it upside down? I like to spell... Boobs. No, no. <laughs> It's uh, 5138008 and then turn the, is that right? Or something like that. And you turn it upside down and it says boobies. Okay, boobies. Okay. Yeah, it's no. a plural. It's yeah. a plural. Okay, got to get both of them in there. All right, that's a great way to start this. Well, I feel like. Saturday of December. It's perfect, in fact. It is December 19th. What is today? It's National Hard Candy Day. Yeah, it is. If you enjoy hard candies. Or not. It doesn't matter. It's the day. It is the day, whether you like them or not. I don't like them, but I'm happy to tell you about them. Okay. With your own notes. <laughs> Please, <laughs> tell me what I don't already know. Well, most hard candies are 100% sugar. Mm -hmm. They just have some flavoring and colors added. I'm going to mathematically argue with this because Hundo P means there's nothing else. That's right. There's You can't have more than 100% of a thing. There's no athlete that ever gave 110% either. That's a whole nother bullshit thing. 100% is 100% period. So maybe what they meant to say is it's sugar with flavor added. I think that's right. And color. And there we go. Yeah. Well, sugar syrup is in fact heated to 320 degrees, at which point it is poured into molds or rolled and folded into shapes, and then it's left to cool. 
the first hard candies, lemon drops and peppermints. I do love a lemon drop, but... I love a lemon drop. You can only eat like one at a time because they come no, no. the roof of your mouth. I can, I can have a mouthful of them. Oh, that's the, so the awful. Bl the blood is worth the lemon drop. Uh, yeah, bloody lemon drops. That mm -hmm. sounds like a cocktail. It probably is. <laughs> well, lemon drops and peppermints were uh, not uncommonly prescribed as a remedy for stomach ailments. And you know what? That, it kind of works. I've heard reference to, probably a pop culture reference even, uh, though not current day, um, I need a peppermint to settle my stomach. Yes. I've done that before. Okay. It was in the 17th century, that's the 1600s if you get confused like I do, when hard candy became widely popular and it was due to falling sugar prices. Previously, it had been something reserved for the more well-to-do. Indeed. Indeed. Jolly Ranchers, Werther's Original, Dum Dum Pops, Lifesavers, Charms Blow Pops, Pick Your Favorite, and Enjoy One Today. Indeed. Do you have a favorite hard candy? <clears throat> well, I do love a good lemon drop. Yeah. I love a, not to the same degree, but I do I do deeply enjoy a hard candy traditional peppermint. Yes, okay. Um, beyond that, I like a Werther's. I like a Werther's, mm -hmm. but lemon drops are the, the definitive favorite. I like Werther's too. What I don't like is the, the weird... The S-coiled, just, uh, yeah, strawberry or whatever flavoring they add. It just isn't. And they come out at either Christmas time or in the tins yeah. of candy dishes. Or yeah, old ladies you get a houses. Big, big bag of that stuff and it's all stuck together. Yeah. And then you have to fracture it with a meat cleaver, but then you never get to eat a single pure piece of candy. It's all shards of the multiples. And it actually does cut up your mouth. Yes, it does. Yeah, I like a Werther's. Um, there's another similar to Werther's. There's one called Coffee Nips that are coffee flavored hard candies. Interesting. My mother has enjoyed these for years. I don't like anything called Nips. <laughs> okay. That's a weird name. Are you candy? Are you nipples? What are you? Make up your mind, sir. Sir, make up your mind. <laughs> Be honest with us. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, National Hard Candy Day to everyone. Anyway, whether you like them or not. Or nips, whatever. What? Um, yeah. It is also National Oatmeal Muffin Day. And I'm really excited about that. I'm sure you can tell. You don't like muffins in general. I think you especially probably hate oatmeal muffins. I hate oatmeal muffins. I would think maybe their best use is to freeze them and throw them at people that might break into your home. Well, you could you probably kill a zombie with one. Probably. If you're constipated, though, you might change your tune. I don't know. I'm not I'm not irregular. <laughs> Hard for you to it's say. It's not irregular. That, that's uh, Tom Jones. They're bringing to you. It's not unusual, but in the muffin format. Uh -huh. okay. um, yeah. So recipes for oatmeal muffins began to appear in American cookbook in the mid-1800s. That's the 19th century, in case you're counting. That's true. That's true. These were often complemented with raisins, bananas, blueberries, different things, yeah. because by itself, oatmeal tastes like glue. <laughs> yes. It's disgusting. It's true. Um, a little-known fact for those of you out there who are concerned about such things. 
you can go track pricing. And it's minimally on the eve of National Oatmeal Muffin Day that the makers of toilet paper can be seen to be raising gently, gently elevating their prices. It's a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. They are out there taking advantage of the oatmeal poop. They are. If not then, then when? I hate oatmeal. I, I hate it. it. I love oatmeal. You want to hear an oatmeal story? Oh, no. Oh, I know this one. Do you? <laughs> do pretty you? sure I you do. probably do. When I was in my first year of kindergarten, and that's right, there were more than one. <laughs> in my first year, I have an August birthday, okay? So I was on the cusp. Yes. I was on the cusp. Mm-hmm. I was admitted earlier than I should have been, and I was found to be impressionable. You had to just take a second run at it. Yeah. So I graduated at the age of, from high school at the age of 27. Um, (laughs) A lot of kindergartens repeated in there. Now I did repeat. Um, There was one culprit. His name, in fact, was Arthur. And I'll not say the last name for protection of the guilty, Mm -hmm. not the innocent. Mm -hmm. Arthur was a real dick. Oh. Can I say that? Uh, You did. He was. He really was. And... We were out at recess one day. It probably was roughly this time of year. It was cold. And in kindergarten, Arthur wore a London fog trench coat. And he had little leather gloves and clippies that went from his coat to his glove so he wouldn't lose his gloves. So basically idiot mittens. Yes, idiot mittens, in fact. And look that up if you don't know what it is. Um, Yeah. That just tells you any five-year-old that wears a... London Fog Trench Coat, we got some issues here. Yes. Well, Arthur handed me, he unclipped and handed me one of his gloves and said, I dare you to throw it on the roof of the school. Oh, okay, that's not that big a deal. And so I did. And he immediately, upon my successful throw, because it only took one, I know how to throw a glove on the roof. Oh, yes. Always have. That's, in fact, one of my professional strengths today. When I bring on a new client, I immediately throw one of their gloves onto the roof of the nearest building. That's kind of my signature. It's my calling card, if you will. All I did, of course, it made it. He immediately burst into hysterical crying. Yeah. So we have to go to the principal's office. Mr. Nevelson, I think was his name. And I have no desire to protect him at this point. Yeah, he's probably dead. He's probably dead. We we sat in the hall against the wall on the floor for what seemed like a true kindergarten eternity. Finally get called in. And he he wasn't dumb. He knew that Arthur was a jerk. Oh, okay. You responded more strongly to that than when I called Arthur. (laughs) So I'm unsure how to go forward. (laughs) It's just interesting that Arthur was so much of a dick that his reputation preceded him. Of course it did. Even to the principal as a kindergartner. Of course it did. Okay. Teachers aren't dumb. Yeah. They know. So, yeah, he calls us in. He knew, and he knew that I was more or less... I knew how to toe the line. Not that I was a good kid, but I knew how to adhere to the rules loosely enough. But he went into this diatribe on a story, which ultimately was, hey, I can't make you eat the oatmeal, 
but I can make you wish that you did. That was the punchline of the whole story. I can't make you eat the oatmeal, but I can make you wish you did. And as I look at that in conjunction with National Oatmeal Muffin Day, all I have to say in return to Mr. Nevelson is, come at me, bro. I don't think you can make me wish I ate that thing. I hate them. I hate oatmeal muffins, okay? Okay. Some strong feelings. I'm I, sorry. I was going to ask you what your favorite mix-in in an oatmeal muffin is, but um, let's just skip Toilet it. paper. <laughs> There's nothing. I hate them. I'd rather go hungry for at least a time. Can I say if you instead of doing raisins, if you put craisins in there, it's delicious. Yeah, here's my here's my stance. One, I'm not gonna eat one. Yeah. Period. Two, if that's all the if we actually finally, and I'm waiting for this, I mark my uh diary every day that the zombie apocalypse hasn't yet happened. If in fact it does happen, when it does, if all that's left is oatmeal muffins. I embrace being eaten by a zombie. Okay. I don't, that's don't want them. Pretty significant. It's I take a hard line stance here. Okay. Sure. Um, on a much brighter note, for the third celebration of today, if you live in the Ukraine, or if you're from there, it is St. Nicholas Day. And I love St. Nicholas, so I'll celebrate that instead. Perfectly fine by me. All right, I've got for you three in a row that are all literary. Yes, they are. Related. In 1686, according to author Daniel Defoe, it's today, December 18th, that Robinson Crusoe leaves his island after having lived there for 28 years. Would you want to leave? After 28 years? I don't know. It's an island. It is an island. It's tropical. Yeah. I don't think I want to leave. I've not read Robinson Crusoe, surprised to no one, so I don't know what the uh, sort of environment was like, but I don't know if I'd want to leave either. He, he made a good go of it. It wasn't easy at first. Yeah. It's, it's the more patient. This story is the more patient version of Castaway. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, in 1776, though this date is a little bit disputed, today is possibly the day when one... Thomas Paine published his first American Crisis essay. It began with words that may sound familiar to you. These are the times that try men's souls. Indeed. He said Indeed. Like that too. I think he did. In fact, I'll call my good friend Henry Ford later oh, and verify yes. it, but I believe it's true. Okay, well, in 1843, very notable for this time of year, a Christmas carol by Charles Dickens, is published, and it sold 6,000 copies. Right out of the gate. Right off the top. 6,000 gone. We do have a chainsaw right outside the recording studio. Yes. Um, so, deal with that. Okay. Well, 1918. That's a little while ago. Yeah. Call it 102 years, give or take. There you go. On the money. Yeah. Robert Ripley began a column in the New York Globe. It titled, Believe It or Not, Ripley's Believe It or Not, yes. is what this was. It went on to be additionally a radio show and a TV show, and there's even there have even been remakes since then of the same thing. Um, it featured odd facts from around the world, which makes me think perhaps Mr. Ripley is our parent. Yeah. The parent of awesome today. The show of 
odd facts from around at least portions of the world. Totally. So he did share little known facts about unusual and exotic sites and all that wonderfulness. What, however, really incited his popularity was when he chose to start including items that were submitted by readers who would, they themselves would submit photographs a wide variety of small-town American trivia things came about. Unusually shaped vegetables, oddly marked domestic animals. Yeah. It's literally just whatever oddity folks would find in their lives and they'd share it. Okay. Which gives me a whole new idea for this show. It really does. We're probably going to start offering that from time to time. Uh, but in 1929, I thought this was especially fascinating, his syndicated cartoon claimed... Believe it or not, America has no national anthem. What? How very dare How you. How dare you, sir, but he was right. Though everybody more or less accepted that the Star-Spangled Banner was our national anthem, it had never officially been made so. So with this discovery then, President Herbert Hoover signed a law establishing the national anthem, doing so on March 3rd of 1931. It only took him... A couple of years, but hey, at least it got done. It got done, by golly. All right, I've got one more before you. Can you tolerate the wait? I can. Okay, 19... Shall. You shall. Shall, will, should, could. Yes, all of them. 1942, Edward Rickenbacker, known to those close to him as Fast Eddie. Ooh. He was a fighter ace in World War One. He was the U.S.'s most successful fighter ace, in fact. Did he um, fly faster than 10 miles an hour? Yes, he did. Okay. He was far in advance of the, the brothers' right. Okay. Yeah, he's even uh, believed to have received the most awards for valor by an American during the war. He, okay, was, he was quite the thing. He went on to do a whole lot of stuff after World War One. A lot of businesses, many of them centered around flying. Sure. And when World War II came about, he, working for our military, then more or less on a consultancy basis, was sent on a tour of air bases and specifically in the Pacific Theater of Operations. Mm -hmm. After having visited several bases throughout Hawaii, and then while traveling to the South Pacific, his plane... He wasn't piloting it, and there were several on board. It strayed hundreds of miles off course and was ultimately forced to ditch in a remote, little-traveled part of the Central Pacific. And ditching is when you land on the water directly. Okay. okay. So Rickenbacker and the crew drifted at sea in life rafts, plural. That sounds terrible. After three days, they ran out of food. Well, yeah. On the eighth day, a seagull landed on Rickenbacker's head. He caught it very cautiously, worked around. He caught it. They ate part of it. Mm. They divvied up the rest of it and used it as bait for fishing. This and other, several other small food miracles and sporadic rain 
that provided drinkable water, all of that is what ultimately sustained them. Wow. Now, the group eventually did decide to split up and go separate ways in the rafts in hope of rescue. It was on the 22nd day that Rickenbacker himself was rescued, the rest of the group over the course of the next two days. Now, suffering from hypothermia, sunburn, dehydration, near starvation, uh, I believe it was all of them except one made it. He himself was suffering more severely, I think, than the others dehydration and had made the bad, knowingly bad decision to drink ocean water. And that that pretty much was the end of him. Okay. Uh, But they made it. And for the record, fascinatingly, this is not the first plane crash that Rickenbacker survived. Wow. He was actually still mildly hampered from the wounds from the prior plane crash when he survived this one. Uh, definitively, he was an unstoppable force. If you had endured a uh, moment like that in your life, would you ever fly in a plane again? Yeah, I would not. I'd be. I think I'd be more likely to, just because I would. I'd already defeated it. Oh gosh, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. It is very remarkable. We cover a lot of plane crashes. You're not. They really, happen. They happen. You're not doing much to assuage my. Deep, deep fear of flying. I want you to be prepared. I want you to plan ahead and be prepared so that when we do randomly begin flying with great frequency, that when we do ultimately crash, you and I will survive. I I like your explanation on that. Okay. It still freaks me out. Well, also happening in the year 1942, not just the Rickenbacker plane crash. there's, There's more than just that. Robert Stroud is transferred to Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary. 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 I forgot how that word worked for a second. It's it's just a lot of letters. Yeah. You may or may not recognize him by his nickname, the Birdman. While in Leavenworth Prison, in the prison yard, Stroud discovered a nest with three injured sparrows. Now, the warden of that penitentiary, William Biddle, was recognized for his progressive attitude towards true rehabilitation Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like you were not tracking. And no, I was like, I'm, Did I I'm not fully, tell the story right? I'm fully tracking. Okay. Um, okay. So he was recognized for, you know, really believing that prisoners could be rehabilitated and return to society mm-hmm. as functioning citizens. Well, he allowed Stroud to pursue his newfound fascination with birds. So Stroud ultimately raised over 300 canaries over time. And his cell. In his cell. What the hell? It Are was, you serious? I'm serious. Not all at once. It oh. was over time. Okay. But not not over a vast amount of time. There were a lot of birds, so many birds in there, in fact, that it became problematic because his cell became uh, covered. I hate it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate canaries, but that doesn't seem like a good facility for I them. don't like birds in general. Yeah. In 1933, Mr. Stroud wrote a 60,000-word treatise titled Diseases of Canaries, which was smuggled out of the prison and published. It made him, this was kind of the beginning of his not small popularity in the ornithological circles. Oh, look at you with the big words, ornithological. I struggled. I sweated that up until I said it. I said it right. I will not say it again. Okay. Well, in 1943, he followed this with Stroud's Digest on the Diseases of Birds. His operation grew so large and difficult for prison staff to oversee that they took action to shut it down. So just to digest this a little bit, 
he was he was becoming wildly popular. Mm-hmm. Every letter that either came in or went out had to be opened, read, copied, all of that. And things got things got so huge that they'd actually hired a secretary. The prison hired a secretary strictly for the purpose of dealing with all of Stroud's communications. That gum. Right. Not exactly what you'd picture for someone in prison, right? That's for sure. Well, when this became public knowledge that the prison was going to try to shut down his canary and other bird rehabilitation yes. centers, uh, a 50,000 signature petition was sent to President Her- Herbert Hoover, which resulted in Stroud being permitted to continue. He even, with cooperation from outsiders, started a business for the purpose of selling his avian medicines. Mm-hmm. Now, the continued growth of his operations became increasingly problematic, and then a series of back-and-forth squabbles finally resulted in his transfer to Alcatraz, where rules did not permit him to continue with his passion. Now, this included... He he was not... This wasn't a surprise, the threat of the transfer to Alcatraz, all of that. Yeah. One of the ornithological members, a female, in mm-hmm. fact, mm-hmm. Um, not out of romantic interest because it was actually, it's actually been suggested that Mr. Stroud was most likely homosexual. Okay. So it wasn't a, a romantic interest between mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. but in an effort to keep him in place and doing what he did, mm-hmm. they managed to sneak around and get legally married somehow. Which oh. should have, by law, prevented his transfer to Alcatraz. Oh. But ultimately, the powers that be were like, you know what? Enough's enough. Mm-hmm. I don't get paid enough for this crap. You're you're going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here we go. Without his birds, he did transition to writing, completing two books, but he was not allowed to pursue publication of them. I mean, remember, he's a convicted felon. Right, right. And one of them was a little bit of an expose on taking a dump on the prison system. Well, there you go. Well, it was only after his death that they became available. Stroud was eventually classified as a highly intelligent and dangerous psychopath. And in fairness, he was. Okay. Despite many efforts by himself and others, he was never released and did die while he was still incarcerated. Books and films have been made about his odd and fascinating life. The original arrest was tied to him being a pimp in Alaska. Okay. That's originally what got him incarcerated. Yep. He was, and it wasn't directly that. That's what he was while he was there. It was one of his mistresses that had been, it feels like just something as simple as disrespected. Uh-huh. And he got aggro and killed someone. Okay. Well, so it's a, it's a fascinating thing. Yes. Okay. Still you. Well, in 1959, Walter Williams, at the age of 117, passes away. Yes. And that is notable not only because of his old age, 117. He was also, as far as anyone could figure out at the time, the last surviving veteran of the U.S. Civil War. Now, something notable to my own family life is that my father went to his funeral. That's, That's amazing to me. How old was your dad in 59? He was nine years old. 
his father took him over there. They went to Houston. My dad is from Corpus, so it was not a yeah, not a terrible drive. And they drove. It was quite well publicized. You can imagine in Texas at the time when Mr. Williams passed away. And so my uh, grandfather drove my dad over there for the funeral. My dad swears that he remembers it to this day. Well, maybe, maybe not. Your dad's been known to stretch the old truth. He's told a few tall tales in yeah. time, but I, I genuinely do believe he did go to this funeral. Whether yeah. or not he genuinely remembers that, I don't know. That's where I'm pushing back a But bit. he is happy to tell you stories about it. If He's happy only to tell you stories about anything if you'll sit still. Yes, that's true. Not wrong. So never end up in the doctor waiting room with him. Never. Because you're stuck. You can't leave. You're going to hear it all. Going to hear a story. Maybe about Walter Williams. Maybe. Or maybe if your dad happened to remember the year 2001, VH1 premiered. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Too legit, the MC Hammer story. What was his name? Do you know what his real name was? You know it off the top I of your do. head. I cannot remember. Oddly, it's one of those facts that I can't remember. Stanley Burris. Okay. Yeah. I I know you've... Our, our sons went through a stage where they were super into a too legit to... No, no. Sorry. Can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't hey, touch mom, this. Hey, Mom, I have a secret for you. You can't touch this. Yes. Uh, still even within the last week has come uh, up as yes. a secret at the dinner table. That's right. And we've we've passed the point of dislike, we've passed the point of anger and we're all the way into hysteria now. Hilarity, hysterical hilarity. Yes. Well, I guess I'll tell you what, we I guess we better do some advent. We should do. It is in fact the season of advent. It is, whether you like it or not, sir. I'm tired of waiting. We have less than a week until advent is over. Yes, I understand. Well, this is the Saturday of the third week of Advent. Our first reading comes from the book of Judges, chapter 13, selected verses. This is long. Do you want me to do this one? I do. I don't want to read a long thing. There was a certain man from Zora, the clan of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. Manoah? Manoah. That's how I would say it. It could be wrong. Moana? Not Moana. That's a whole different story. Manoah. His wife was barren and had borne no children. An angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Though you are barren and have had no children, yet you will conceive and bear a son. Now, then, be careful to take no wine or strong drink and to eat nothing unclean. As for the son you will conceive and bear, no razor shall touch his head. For this boy is to be consecrated to God from the womb. It is he who will begin the deliverance of Israel from the power of the Philistines. 
The woman went and told her husband, a man of God came to me. He had the appearance of an angel of God, terrible indeed. I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, you will be with child and will bear a son. So take neither wine nor strong drink or eat anything unclean. For the boy shall be consecrated to God from the womb until the day of his death. The woman bore a son and named him Samson. <laughs> the boy grew up and the Lord blessed him. The spirit of the Lord stirred him. I love the story of Samson. There's much more about it, obviously. I love this story. Yes. Um, I had never made the connection that we will make here in a little bit. Um, but I'll, I'll just give the teaser to say we've, we've discussed the typological progression of characters throughout yes. biblical history. Yeah. And that all of this coincides with God's continual patient reintroduction and continual introduction of himself to his people. Yes. Like I said, I've loved this story forever. I'd never made the connection that will come up. Not yet. If you want to go through the, the responsorial Psalm first, it will come up later. Yes. The Psalm is Psalm 71 selected verses. You want me to go ahead and read it? I'll do this one. All right. Um, okay. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety, for you are my rock and my fortress. O oh my God, rescue me from the hand of the wicked, for you are my hope, O oh Lord, my trust, O oh God, from my youth. On you I depend from birth. From my mother's womb you are my strength. I will, tr I will treat of the mighty works of the Lord." O God, I will tell of your singular justice. O God, you have taught me from my youth until the present. I proclaim your wondrous deeds. Okay. All right. And so here we have... I can't speak beautifully to the tie-in. I hope you can. Well, the, sometimes the response is just the response. Okay. And sometimes it's a bridge between the readings, but sometimes it is just a moment of praising God, of... Especially in the Psalms, a lot of times we have the, just these moments of outburst of praise. You know, you have to think about Samson's mother who has been barren, and here comes the yeah. angel and says, You're going to bear a child. And to think present day, where present day has an advantage over then, in that adoption is an option. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that wasn't as readily available back then. Right, yes. So, yeah, to the desperate, and, and within that culture, the humiliation um, because it was such a driving force for women. It was such a source of identity for oh, absolutely. to be yes. the bringer of children. Yes. I do have to pull out this one verse and this probably wouldn't mean anything except for other English major nerds like me. But within this Psalm, it says on you, I depend from birth from my mother's womb. You are my strength. Of course, Samson being known um, in the story of his life as being exceptionally strong. Freakishly strong. And thinking about this, the, his origin story here, he was not even uh, dreamed of hardly by his mother. But we even within her womb, he's drawing strength from the Lord and goes on to be exceptionally. And from her. This, I, I, when I read this, yeah. I am reminded of, you watch any collegiate now, but definitely in history, any historical uh, professional game when the camera gets candid on the sideline with players. Nobody says, hi, dad. It's true. Everybody says, hi, mom. It's true. 
It's true. There's a recognition of the strength of the beast. Yes. Okay. The gospel is from St. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. It's pretty long. I'll read it. Okay. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, again, this is still Luke chapter 1, so early Very on. Early. Yes. Uh, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in the eyes of God, observing all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Once, when he was serving as priest in his divisions turned before God, According to the practice of the priestly service, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. Then when the whole assembly of the people was praying outside at the hour of the incense offering, the angel of the Lord, here comes another angel. It's Gabriel again. Appeared to him standing at the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled by what he saw and fear came upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you shall name him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Are you seeing it? Sensing some repeated it phrases. It feels very connected. Yes. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers toward children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to prepare people fit for the Lord. Then Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him in reply, I am Gabriel, who stand before God. I was sent to speak to you and to announce to you this good news. But now you will be speechless. I love Gabriel. So, <laughs> so petty and vengeful in this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I blame it. him. I don't blame him. I, I mean, there's just the sure fact that every time he introduces himself, he has to say, don't be afraid. Yes, exactly. And then people... They quickly transition from being afraid to being a little assy. Well, our blessed mother was not assy. I don't well, think. but she didn't get silenced until birth of That's her child true. either. That's true. So there, there's many other examples. It isn't just these two that we're looking at. Yes. Um, there's many other examples, even where the angel, not specifically named, harasses. Who is it? I can't remember which. Was it? Uh, mm. Drawing a blank. He was a, a planned to be a military leader at the arrival of the angel. He literally hid. He was terrified. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of snark in the introduction. Angels can be snarky. What's the Gideon? Gideon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, so Gabriel says now, says to Zechariah, now you will be speechless and unable to talk until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and were amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was gesturing to them, but remained mute. Then, when the days of his ministry were completed, he went home. And after this time, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she went into seclusion for five months, saying, So has the Lord done for me at a time when he has seen fit to take away my disgrace before others. So I do want to add just one, fast to me, fascinating historical consideration here, that the priests could go into an area where the general populace could not right. for any reason. 
and that even even the priest in this area where God dwelt, yeah, if he went in impure, he could be struck dead. And yes. so it became practice, maybe not at this time, it was perhaps later, but it became practice that they would tie a rope around the ankle yes. of the priest. And if he didn't come out after a time, they would assume he must have been struck and dead because he was impure when he went in and they would drag him out by the rope around his leg. So it was serious business. It was serious business. They were very concerned. Had they had a rope, they were probably very near to tugging on it. Yeah. But then he came out and couldn't speak. Can I also point out an interesting thing? Yes, you may. Is that, um, wait, hang on, it's just a second. Where did it go? It was about Zechariah. Oh, man. It just like literally flew out of my head. It was about the sanctuary, I think. Oh, that he it says it's in scripture. He was chosen by lot, by, by lottery of sorts, uh, yeah. by chance. However, however, of course, it wasn't by chance at all. God right. directly had planned that it would be Zechariah who would go in and have the, the visit from Gabriel. And um, so, yeah, I just, I love like... Have we said yet who the child is that's born of his wife? Well, in the scripture, it says John, you'll name him John. It is St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist, yeah. The son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who leaps in his mother's womb. Again, we have this womb importance from Samson through yeah. to the Psalms, through to this story. Like there's just so much. This is one of the days where it is pretty easy to see the connections. Yeah. Samson was earlier on in um, Israelite history, but the angel had said that he, when he comes, he will begin to help make a way. So it's like, again, we just say this all the time, but it never stops being true that all of God's word in scripture is just this one long story of these events unfolding and the people who play these roles and um, all pointing towards Christ and towards salvation. I like that we have, we have the original, the Samson story. And what did they, did it say what his mother's name was? Um, Let's see. Just the wife of Manoah. Okay. We don't even get to know her. And so we have, well, but that that lends even to what I was going to say. We have her. We have then this second story of of Zachariah ultimately applicable to uh, Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. who prior readings that we've had in Advent, we've had the interaction. This was a kinswoman of the Blessed Mother of Mary. Mm -hmm. I struggled certainly from societal perspectives, also from religious perspectives, how I grew up, I struggled for a long time to really fully understand. And I don't yet, but but I'm much closer to fully understand the role of women, the strength of women, the, import, the critical importance of women. And, you know, here we are in today's day and age where this is, this is honestly still a wrestling match. Um, and that's not to say that we're unable to identify the importance. It's that we continue to face issues where women are treated less than. Right. Um, but even in this day and age, in, in this day and age, where it doesn't even bother to, to mention Samson's mother's name. Right. And to look at the Blessed Mother, though we know her name, that she was very much a a tertiary figure around what was going on. And yet she is in fact, the greatest of saints 
it's just really interesting to look at that. My own interest in all of this began when I was previously the father of two daughters and no sons at that point, and trying to figure out how do I train up my girls? What do I, what do I teach them? Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I do this? Yeah. Um, and I still don't have a great answer. I'm still You're doing a great job. trying to figure out, um, but very clearly when you, when you read the Bible correctly, there is a, a critical importance around women and that women historically have taken the stronger role without credit. Mm. Wow. There are beyond even what we've covered. There's so many stories where you can go look and see a woman who made the difference. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I'm still, I'm still struggling to put good language around it and good mm-hmm. cognition around it, understanding to try to do right by my own kids, even much less you. Um, but yeah, it's, I think if a woman has a chance of, of really finding comfort mm-hmm. and peace in her worth, yeah, Christianity sure has a lot to offer if you if you don't adopt the wrong paths of it. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. And also, just again, look at the communion of the saints. So, beyond scripture, the women through the centuries who have been sainted, mm-hmm. including Elizabeth, Saint mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Um, yeah, so I think it's also interesting that we have these readings on Friday because, I'm sorry, on Saturday, yes. because Sunday's Mass readings, the Gospel is the Annunciation, is the story of uh, Gabriel coming to Mary uh, for what we know as the Annunciation. You cheated. You looked ahead. Well, um, it's not you? a surprise. How dare you? It's there for anybody to look at. Hopefully you've been studying your Sunday readings before Mass, right? Just, um, kidding. Just kidding. Normally I would. Normally I would. But because we're doing a daily production, I'm pretty consumed with the dailies. And there's no thing wrong with that either. Of course not. I was teasing you. Were you, though? I were was. you? All right. I don't know. I think you know what it's time for. It's time for Whirl. Yep. Watch, read, listen, lifestyle. What should we watch? Well, you can watch um, any of a variety of productions of A Christmas Carol. You've got. I've seen that live. Have you? Like a, a play. Yes. Not live, like in whatever year of There's... Our Lord, way back when. <laughs> There are stage versions. Mm-hmm. There are movie versions. I grew up on the like 1984 George C. Scott version, but there's like a Muppet Christmas Carol. There's there's a lot. Um, Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol. I mean, it's it's a highly adaptable story, so you can watch any of those productions. I will say, from I was a I was pre ten, pre ten years old. Mm-hmm. When I saw it performed as a play. Sure. And I disliked it, a majority of it because what pre 10 year old loves a yeah. a play. Yeah. But I do remember very vividly, it was impactful. Yeah. The, whoever the young man was that played Tiny Tim. Yes. He did a fantastic job. The crutch, all the things, he did a fantastic job. Okay. That's That's lasted over the years, I think, of that. That would be, yes, an exceptional role to play as mm-hmm. a child. So you could watch that. You could also read it. You could watch any of the variety of movies or TV shows or episodes about the Birdman, Robert Stroud. Yes. You could read more about him. You could go dig up to legit the MC Hammer story, which is not uninteresting. 
listen to some MC Hammer music if you want. Yeah, it you is could. too legit to quit. It's too legit to quit. You may or may not be able to touch it. That's good. That's great. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yes. Okay. Um, for reading, unfortunately, the best we have to offer is to return back to A Christmas Carol yep. or Things About the Birdman. Yes. There's a lot to read on either of those if you're interested. Mm -hmm. Or uh, Robert Stroud. No, that was the Birdman. What was the What was the other guy? Oh, Edward Rickenbacker. Fast Eddie Rickenbacker. Fast Eddie. There's, there's plenty out there to read on him, too. Very, very interesting dude. All right. Anything specific to listen to? Not that I can think of. Okay. Well, for life style, we have stew soup, combo, whatever, that we're actually smelling right now. You did something a little different on preparing the beef part of this. I did. Why don't you say more I about did. that? Um, so normally what I will do is whether it's actual stew meat that we've purchased or if I buy a roast and cut it into bite-sized pieces. Normally, before it goes into the pot, I will skillet sear that. And normally, just salt, pepper, garlic. I keep it really simple. But today, I did just a little bit of cumin and an actually pretty healthy dose of cocoa. This is going to be good. It's, it made quite the rich gravy. I'm really interested to see how this turns out. Oh, yeah. Um, beyond that, we did a little bit of just garbage tubed sausage that you like hamburger consistency sausage browned that up threw it in and then a very healthy dose of onion celery carrot and then also as a change up a couple of cans of sweet corn yeah in, so we'll see we'll be delicious see. it smells good we'll see it how it is so good yes well as the subcategory off of weight Wait, one more story on lifestyle. Okay. We went today, here, anybody who's listened in a while knows that within the last couple weeks, Meg got a fantastic new-to-her vehicle. Yes. A Chevrolet Suburban that is such a treat to Love ride it. in, yeah. look at, drive, whatever the case may be. So happy. Um, well, finally, today, the paperwork became available to go get tag, title, tax, all that stuff done. And so we lumped in the tax portion to the purchase price. And so then the seller gave us a check, estimated amount of money for what tag title expenses would be, or tax rather expenses would be. Yes. And their estimated amount was more than mm -hmm. what it was by what, 40, 50 bucks? Yeah. We transition all of that, and we're told by the person at the tag agency, okay, well, the check's a little long. It's a little much. So expect your return in how long? Four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. Really, guys? Yeah. That's government for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm less than pleased with their inefficiency. Not that we're like, we can't eat until we get that money. It's not like that. It's just like, really? Because if they'd said, oh, you owe another uh -huh. 40 to 50 bucks, it's not like we could tell them, okay, we'll have that to you in four to no. six weeks. They don't work like that. It's It stinks. It reeks of poo. But, you know what? I'm glad the check was a little long either way. Either way, I'm just... I'm mildly agitated. That's okay. 
you stay a little agitated at all things government. <laughs> I do. That's not unfair. It's true. <laughs> well, tell us about what bad gifts is the subcategory of lifestyle. Yes. Bad Christmas gifts. What might we consider? My three cousins pooled their money and got me a really nice coat. Sounds like a good gift. It is a good gift. So good, in fact, that the next year they pooled their money and got me a really nice coat. The exact same coat. Mm. I was actually wearing the first one when I opened the second. That's sad. Yeah. Now, is this a separate story, this next one? Yep, it's just an additional bad gift. Speaking of bad coats and bad, I mean, great coats, bad presents, uh, my great aunt got me a set of knitting covered coat hangers. Have you ever seen these? I have. I kind of miss them. They have a very they're hideous vintage aesthetic. Yeah, they do, but they were terrible then. They're terrible now. Yeah. Um, and they're for anybody that's unfamiliar with these. It's literally the wire hanger that you get back from the cleaners. Yep. That somebody's gone to all the trouble to knit a sleeve that goes around the entire hanger. I hope you're not. It's a lot of work. I hope you're not hurting the feelings of any knitting awesomes right now. Well, maybe, maybe get a better hanger than the crap hanger. I bet if one of our awesomes did this, it would not be hideous. It would be darling. To me, my life experience of these hangers. Yeah. That's not to say it's anybody else's. Sure. My life experience of these hangers is that they are the hanger equivalent of the terrible sweater that Grandma knitted. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's I've never seen one done tastefully. Yeah. Not that there aren't any. Sure. They're always with terrible yarn. Uh, yes, I agree with that. I don't like them. Don't, I don't. I don't want one. I will not. Give if you I one. ever get one, if there's one of you that wants them, let me know. Okay. I will forward mine to you. Okay, that's fair. That's good. Alrighty. Is that everything? I think now that is. I've dug a hole of knitted hangers and all the knitters out there are like, I hate you. Yeah, they're coming after you with those knitting they probably needles. are. They hurt too. Yeah. You ever been you ever been jabbed with one? Oh I have. Not on accident either. I'm guessing that must have been Emily. You'd be surprised. I do have a very honorary brother. Well, that's true. That's all right. True. Well, I guess have an awesome today, would you? Please do. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> listen. Hey, listen. Oatmeal is disgusting. Oats are animal food. Are you an animal? Of course you're not. You don't eat dog food. Don't eat oats. Love yourself. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.